Would you turn with me, please, this morning to the book of Philippians? Philippians, the first chapter. And if you uh, didn't bring a Bible with you today, lift your hand. We have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one. Scriptures just register on you better when you're looking at them in a Bible for yourself. Let your eyes rest on them. Let the Word get in you. And we're going to Philippians, the first chapter. Now, this, uh, this will be a little different today. I have two series, actually, we just began. On Friday night, we're talking about prosperity proven. And we've taught, we spent a lot of time on other subjects in the church thus far. We talked for months on the Spirit-led life. We talked about months on healing. We talked for, uh, you know, a long time on love. But we're beginning Friday nights on Prosperity Proven, and we began uh, a couple of Sundays ago on prayer principles. And the Lord has dealt with us that this is the next step in our development spiritually to focus on prayer and naturally to focus on prosperity. How many believe it takes the power of God and anointing of God, and it takes money to get, get the job done? So we're going to be focusing on feeding our faith on those, and how many believe we'll grow in those areas? We'll, we'll come up to a higher place. The Lord wouldn't lead us that way, except that was His intent, that we come up. But uh, today, I'm not going to do either one of those. <laughs> I believe the Lord has given me something special just for today, and then we'll resume as the Lord leads us. And so uh, just stay hooked and stay focused, and let's pray right now. I'll lead you in a prayer, and let's believe God for exactly what we ought to have this morning. Father God, I thank you so much for the privilege of coming before you today and all these fine people, uh, the church and, and our visitors today. And We're not here by accident. We're here by divine appointment. And you are here in our midst. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And we're asking you for utterance, full and complete and precise, just fresh manna for today, right now. Just what you'd say and do. Lord, let us be your mouthpiece. Speak through us. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see and a heart to receive. Let there come divine Uh, Grace deposits, truth impartations, a supply of the Spirit that we're all lifted and equipped and enabled and anointed. We'll go out, Lord, and not be forgetful hearers, but we'll be doers of what you show and say. And we know as we do, uh, you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. So we will be blessed and a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You do understand those are the only people who get, get results in their life. It's not the meeting goers. It's, it's, it's not the tape players. As great as that is. Uh, I know I was in a... Well, no, I'm trying to mix up two things right now. There, I, I was in a time of prayer one time. I've prayed since then. But <laughs> I was, 
I was praying, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, uh, there is a misconception in your circles. Now, I knew what he's talking about, word of faith, charismatic, you know. He said, there's a misconception in your circles. I thought, Lord, what, what is it? What misconception? And he, I don't mean to hear it in an audible voice, but distinctly inside me. He spoke to my heart. He said, uh, uh, this idea that if you'll, quote, get in the Word enough, it'll solve all your problems. It'll straighten your life out. I thought, well, yeah, we pretty much hold that. <laughs> he said, that's a misconception. I thought, hmm, I did need to know about this. Because we did, we, you know, I mean, all the time. Get in the Word. You know, read the Word, get in good meetings, read good books, play your tapes, get in the Word enough, it'll straighten you out. It'll, it'll fix your life. He said, wrong. It's only the doers of the Word who get results. Amen. And that will explain why you've got people who've been going to meetings for 20 years and still got areas of their life just as messed up as 20 years ago. Haven't advanced, haven't developed in certain parts of their life uh, any further than they were 10, 15 years ago. And they got everybody and their brother's book and tape series on it. And they've been, they, got, they got closets full of notes that they took at meetings. But that's not the end of it. You know, uh, one of the prophets said, he said, the people come as your people. He said, but they listen like, like listening to one who has a beautiful voice who can sing. Or one who, who plays well on an instrument. Because they come and they hear your words, but they will not do them. So they come. We live in an entertainment society. You come and you watch and you listen and you leave. And you go, great. And people take that over into the church. And they come and they listen and they go, whoo. And they leave and do nothing. And they come and they play tapes and they go, whoo, that's a good tape. Give me another one. Yeah, let's listen to some more. Whoo, that's good. Let's hear some more. With no thought of actually putting into practice anything they heard, let's just hear some more. Let's hear some more. Whoo, it's good. Let's go to the meeting. Let's hear some more. No, every time you begin to hear the word of the Lord, you should be thinking, all right, now how is this going to change my life? What am I going to stop doing? What am I going to start doing? What am I going to adjust? What am I going to change? Because if there are no changes after you heard the word, if there's nothing acted upon, then there will be no results in your life. You are a hearer only. But I'm not talking to hearers only this morning. Am I? I'm talking to doers. Tell me again. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. What does that mean? Bible says pray. I pray. I don't just talk about praying. I pray. Bible talks, teaches giving, tithing. So I don't just talk about it. I do it. Being a witness, I am. Right? Doers. Doers are the one that get the results, that get their life changed. Now in Philippians, the first chapter, let's begin to see what we can do today, what we can act upon. Guys, I hear some reverberation down here. Philippians 
chapter 1 and verse 1. Philippians 1, 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all. Because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers of my grace. Now. Well. I won't, I won't tell it to you. I'll just read it to you. Go to, go to the fourth chapter. Of the same letter. Let's put the first part of what he said with the last part of what he said. He's writing, uh, you know, we, we look at this as the book of Philippians, but you got to remember there was a church, like, like Faith Life Church. There was a church at Philippi, and he's writing this letter to them, and they were, uh, of all the, the churches mentioned, apparently his strongest and best partners. This church at Philippi. And he starts out talking to them about this. About fellowship in the gospel. Did you hear that? And about uh, being partakers of his grace. Now in the fourth chapter of Philippians. In verse 10. Well let me read verse 9. Those th- this is Philippians 4.9. Those things which you have both learned... And received, see just because you learn something doesn't mean you have to receive it. And heard and seen in me, what? I mean all that learning, all that receiving, all that hearing and seeing amounts to nothing unless you do it. Do it. And the God of peace shall be with you. When you're a doer, you have peace. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me, your concern for me, has flourished, or the margin says revived. Again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. You know, we must never get our eyes on people that we think ought to be doing something for us and become discontent. Is that not what he's talking about? See, these people had been hooked up with him at one point, but then there was a time when they kind of forgot about him. They shouldn't have, but they did. He said, but now I see that your concern for me and your love for me, your support for me has been revived. I'm glad about that. And he begins to tell them why he's glad about it. He said, not, not because I was suffering and had lack. He said, I've learned how to live in such a way that I'm not moved by any of this. 
Amen. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And what was his conclusion? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me go over this again now. Never let yourself get your eyes on other people and get your mind on other people what you think they ought to be doing for you. And get disgruntled and get discontent. Well, they ought to be doing this. Or they ought to be helping me. Or they ought to be supporting me. Or they ought to be doing this. Well, now you got your eyes off of the Lord. And you got your eyes on them. And people, people get so mixed up, they get to thinking that somebody is standing in my way. Somebody's standing in my way. I can't obey God because of so-and-so is in my way. Oh, no. Nuh-uh. No. What did God tell Joshua? No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. The biggest problem you got is looking at men instead of God and unbelief. No, you got to believe that God will take care of you no matter what. I know years ago, uh, Phyllis and I, I was still in uh, Bible school at Ramah, and, and Phyllis and I were believing for some things, and I mean, we desperately needed some just basic necessities. And we had sown our seed, we had believed for it to come in, and the day had come and gone, and we didn't have it. So every day, we're getting behind. And I came in one day, and Phyllis said, I don't understand, you know, why, why is this taking so long? I said, well, I don't know either. But I know this, God uses people, right? I mean, the Bible said, give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, shall men given to your bosom. So God, he, God doesn't just uh, create money and rain it out of the sky. He's going to deal with somebody that's got some to get it into your hands, right? He's going to use people. Now, another little thought there, if you have trouble receiving from, from people, you got a problem. Because that's how God meets your needs. That's how God ministers to you. You, If you don't receive uh, from people, then you don't receive from God. Because he's ministering to you through the people. But uh, anyway, I said, well, you know, God uses people. Has to. And anytime you got people involved, you got potential problems. (laughs) Because people, (laughs) you know how people are. Right? Because when you're talking about people, who are you talking about? Who is people? We is people. Right? So you're talking about yourself. I've heard old conversations about, yeah, people. People, people. Well, you, you is one. We are people. But I said, you know, um, God uses people. And anytime you're dealing with people, people don't have to obey. People can procrastinate. God can be dealing with them and they can put it off and put it off and put it off or, or never obey. And I said, oh, oh, help, Brother Key. What? If they never obey, no, no, hold on. I said, you know, they may never obey. I said, but I know this, God is faithful. And if we'll keep our eyes on him, he will get it to us. If he has to go through a hundred people till he gets somebody that will obey him, if he has to get a little dog to bring it in a paper sack and sit it on the doorstep, God will do it. He's faithful. He can do it. I said, if God has to deal with somebody like I called the name of a man 
who, who was internationally known minister. Phyllis and I didn't, didn't know him personally, but we knew of him, had really fed off of their ministry. I said, if God has to use him, we believe he could hear from God or somebody like that, he'll, he'll do it. I'm telling you, it wasn't three days later. That man found me. Came to where I was. When he walked through the door, I, I, my jaw dropped. And he said, the Lord dealt with me to give you this money. Put it in my hand. I, I know I acted silly. I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and he just spoke just a moment and he left. And I'm sitting there stunned, like looking at this money. thinking, Brother so-and-so found me and gave me money. <laughs> and it was what we were believing for. And a little extra. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to me sitting in that chair. He said, what you said about me is true. I will use whoever I have to. I will get it to you. And you know what I have observed in, in, in our you know, few years in the ministry. You see, God keeps dealing with a lot of people that keep ignoring him and the Lord winds up using some of the same people over and over and over again because other people don't listen. And what happens is they get other people's blessings plus their own. And I have signed up for that camp. <laughs> you better obey because I'll get your blessing. I, I, I take them all. But no, you're going to obey, right? Say it out loud. Nobody going to get my blessing. I'm going to obey. But, but it's just a fact. If you don't, he'll use somebody else. And they'll get what you should have got in their future. Now, now keep reading here. Verse 14. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Here he calls lack affliction. We ought not have it. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Is this the only church that Paul had an association with? Is this the only church that God used Paul to found, to be an apostle and to be a father to? Are we to understand that during this very difficult time in Brother Paul's life, he, he's uh, in jail and in and out of jail and, and transport and, and, and a tough time in his life, that during this period there was only this church that ministered to him like this financially and materially? Read it again. You Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, how many? No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again, repeatedly, to my necessity. My, my. Well, it's great that they did. It's not right that the others didn't. All these churches that God used Paul to raise up, where are they? And you know, you, you, you see that in life. People just don't step up. And you know why? 
Selfishness. People don't call it that, but that's what it is. It's being self-absorbed in our thing. So busy doing our thing. Now, I'm sure that some of those churches thought, well, we're busy in the work of the ministry. We're, We're doing, you know, the work of the ministry. But, you know, if all you think about is your ministry, that's still selfish. We spend all our time working in the church. All our time, we're just working in the church so that people get the idea, I'm completely unselfish because I give my life for the church. Yeah, but whose church? My church. Your church and nobody else's church. Well, that's still selfish. This is a subtle thing that ministries have to watch. Churches have to watch. You get to thinking, you know, well, I'm giving all my time serving the Lord, but you've got to realize you're not the body of Christ. You're a part. Not even the biggest part. You're a part of a big body, of a big church. And God doesn't just see your little fishbowl. He sees the whole thing. And that's one thing I really appreciate and love about Kenneth Copeland Ministries. They are unselfish. We've been around them for years. And I tell you what, they love God and they love the plan. They love the big plan. They're always looking to see what's God doing here and how can we help this and how can we be a part. I mean, uh, you know, Phyllis just uh, mentioned that they had us on and we're going to be airing five weeks uh, in consecu- consecutively on the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. Well, now that's millions and millions and millions of dollars in TV worldwide. And uh, they didn't ask us for anything. Brother Kenneth said, you know, you got to get this out. Until you get your own up and strong, you, we got to help you get this out. This message on the Spirit-led life. So come in here. Get it out through our vehicle. I mean, they're believing God with every, every fiber of their being for millions to come in every month to foot all these bills and just turn around and hand it to, to me and hand it to other people. You see it all the time. They have all these different guests and, to get the truth out. How many understand? I mean, this church ought not be the Keith Moore show. <laughs> right? It ought to be me and you and Phyllis and all of us show up before the Lord. What does he want to do? What does he want to say? Right? And and it ought not just be the Faith Life Church show. What's God doing? What can we be a part of? And and the Copelands know that and they they have operated in that. And oh, I thank God for that. Everybody say unselfish. unselfish. That's why people are obedient is because of love. Faith works by love. Right? And you get to what well, love causes you to look up beyond yourself and see what's going on beside your little stuff. And begin to realize, Lord, what can you use me to do? How can I be a part of the bigger picture here? And then love is open to being led to divert some of its resources that it thought it would spend on itself outside of itself and and Faith works by that love. Faith says, sure, I can sow that. Sure, we can underwrite the victory campaign. God will give us a lot more than that. Fear says, oh, we better keep this because, you know, we got our projects too. We got things going on. 
And we're only two years old. They couldn't expect us to do much. That's how you stay small. That's how you stay broke. Yeah, but we got ours. Now, you understand I'm not just talking about Faith Life Church now? I'm talking about your church? Talking about your group? Talking about your ministry? Right? You got to think beyond yourself. You got to look beyond yourself. You got to let God give you His view. He sees the whole thing. He loves all the churches. All the ministries. Right? He's interested in all of them. We can't hook up with everything, but there are a lot of things that God can use us to hook up with. You know, the where's that phrase, that guys, that I mentioned to you earlier? The Lord spoke to us this phrase. Put it up on the screen when you find it. About that, one thing, you know, he told us that he was growing us up quickly at this church. I believe that. But then he told us this. He said, I'm laying a foundation to reach many. In this, ter- in this church, I'm building a base to send and support many. Hallelujah. I believe this, don't you? Yes, outside of ourself. Yes. Everybody say outside. outside. Now this church here, in this difficult time in Brother Paul's life, the Apostle Paul's life, they were the only one that supported him financially and materially. That's just almost hard to believe. Because how I many we got letters to the Ephesians, letters to the Colossians, letters to the Romans, letters to the Corinthians. Where are they? Where are they? You see what I'm talking about? I know uh, back years ago, Phyllis and I were getting a day or two of vacation. And uh, a minister friend of mine called me from the other side of the country. And he said, Brother Keith, he said... Uh, uh, believe with me, stand with me. I, I required a certain amount of money, scores of thousands, you know, uh, uh, a week ago. And it's just, it's not here. And I'm doing everything I know to stand, but stand with me, please. I said, sure. We got off the phone. And first I checked my heart. I said, Lord, you know, should I do some, something with this or, or part of this or something? And the Lord dealt with me, no. He said, I'm, I'm already dealing with some people. I have been dealing with some people to take care of this. Just stand with him like he asked you to. And I knew that he wasn't asking me for money. He really just wanted somebody to agree and stand in faith with him. So I did. But I mean, it wasn't but a day or two after that. I got up. I'm thinking about, we're on the lake. I'm thinking about playing. (laughs) And and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, uh, brought this brother to my mind and brought that amount. He said, wire that money to him this morning. I thought, huh? I, I thought you said that you're dealing with somebody else. He said, I am. And I have been. But they're not listening to me. And he's got to have this now. He can't wait any longer. I'm obligated to him. He's believing me. He said, would you, would you take care of it for me? Oh, boy. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. Picked up the phone. I called the office. Basically cleaned out our account. But they wired it to him. He was happy. Here come the money, brother. And I tell you what, though. All that day, I mean the rest of my time up there trying to vacation, I I was ecstatic inside. I just felt so good because I felt like I was one of God's go-to guys. 
You know what I mean by that? That I had passed a few tests. And when some, when, when, you know, the, the pressure was on, when it was down to the wire, and, and, and people weren't doing what they should be doing, God could tap me on the shoulder. I know I'm not the only one, but he could tap me on the shoulder. You take care of that. Yes, sir. Of course, I got somebody's blessing. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> I'll take them, too. But how many of you want to be one of God's go-to guys or go-to gal? One of God's go-to people. God's go-to church. When the pressure is on, some people are not obeying that they should. You're available. Everything you have is available to Him. All your resources, all your ability. Amen. I tell you what, you be that, God will bless you. He will begin to add. He'll give you amazing. Some of the deals that God has done for us just in the last five years. I tell people, they just look at me and shake their head. They're like, huh? You did what? And then you got what? I was telling one of my minister friends, we're having lunch. He had heard some things that God had done for us here in Branson. And he said, no, I heard that y'all did this and this. I said, yes, sir. That's what God did. He said, mm. We're eating now. A few minutes later, he looked at me and he laid his fork down. He said, Brother Keith. I said, yeah. He said, that's got to be God. I said, yeah, it does. It does got to be God. It is God. It is God. But how many know you, you got to, you, you reap what you sow. And your commitment to him is the legal right of how far he can go with you. Did you get that? How far you will go for him determines the legal right of how far he can go for you. Man, when you just pull the wraps off and you just step out, like Dr. Yeoman said, over the aching void with nothing underneath your feet but the Word of God, then God will step out over the earth and reach through the impossible and do the seeming impossible for you. How far will you reach out for him? It affects how far he can reach for you and do for you. These guys stepped up to the bat. They were Paul's partners. Back up to the first chapter again. He said, chapter 1, verse 5. He said, you're for your fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship in the gospel. Had they sown to him? Were they partners of his? They were involved in the fellowship in the gospel. And in verse 7, he said, I have you in my heart. Not just on the partner list, but in his heart. They had a place. And he said, you, the last phrase, you all are what? Partakers of my grace. Now, what I'm talking about today is partnership in the gospel. Not just partnership with the ministry. Partnership in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel. Now, the word partner. Some of these words have been kicked around so much until we don't even know what they mean. You become accustomed to hearing them, but you don't really understand them. Partner. The first part of that word is what? Part. A partner is one who has a part. K. 
Can you see here that Paul said, you have a part in me. You have a place in my heart. Well, then did Paul have a part in them? And did part of what was in Paul get in them? And were they part takers of his grace? People have used the partnership concept to raise money. And it's taken even a commercial feel and tone in some cases. And that's sad. That's sad because this is such a holy and beautiful and wonderful thing. And I just believe today that we can embrace this in a bigger way. And I desire us to act on it. But not concerning me. I'm going to tell you more about it in a few minutes. Partnership. I know when we first started this ministry, not, not the church, but More Life Ministries uh, many years ago. The Lord dealt with me. He said, you're going to require partners to do what I've called you to do. Many He said, your first step is to be a partner. Be a good partner. Be the kind of partner you want to have. Be a strong partner. Be a faithful partner. Be a prompt partner. So generously. So in faith. So regularly. And so we were sowing to certain ministries. But some of them were sporadic. And some of them weren't very strong. And some we weren't taking it seriously enough. So we, we, we stepped up. And we got more serious about our sowing. And we got more diligent and more conscientious. And then we begin to have a vision. Let's double that. And next year, let's double it again. Next year, let's increase it some more. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm glad I sowed that. And now we have a lot of good partners. And boy, they're like clockwork. And they keep increasing and we keep increasing. But everything produces after its own kind, and everything produces after its own seed. There's not first harvest, there's first what? Seed time. Sowing. It's not reaping and sowing. What is it? Sowing and then reaping. But when you sow into the things of God, it goes way beyond money. I, you know, you're believing with me, right? Some of these things I haven't been able to articulate like I would like. I sense it, but I haven't been able to express it. I'm believing for more of that this morning. Are you with me? Help me. Believe with me. I, I've sensed. One reason I'm so thrilled in my spirit that you and I as Faith Life Church were able to underwrite this victory campaign. This is eternal. <laughs> I said this this is not about paying for some gas in a truck or some setup bills or, or hotel bills or, or fuel in an airplane. I mean, that'll, that'll be forgotten quickly. But the anointing that came out in the services, that's eternal. The revelation that came forth, truth that set people's life on a different course. They'll wind, help them to make decisions that set them on a different course. They'll have a different life than they would have had because they were in this meeting. That was financed by us. And then every person that came and got saved, 
Every person that's going to be in heaven instead of hell. Every person that got back to God. And all the people in their family that will be affected by their different life. That's eternal. Will never fade. I just, I sense in my spirit, so much of the body of Christ doesn't understand this. They have no clue of this. If they did, they'd be liquidating stuff. They'd be selling stuff so that they could put money into the gospel. To realize what kind of impact it has on the kingdom and what kind of change is going to affect us in our future. The Bible said about the Lord coming back. He said, behold, I come quickly. What else did he say? My reward is with me. He's bringing something. For us. My reward. Heaven is not communist. Nor is it democratic. And when I say it's not communist, people have this idea, well, you know, everybody's going to be on an equal plane and everything will be the same. And Oh, no. Uh-uh. In the resurrection, it's written that we'll differ in glory like the stars. What did Daniel say? He that winneth souls is wise. <laughs> Why? Wisdom has to do with the future. There are going to be people in heaven that are saved and they're happy they're there. But they're not going to shine like some other people. And they're not going to have some of the things that some other people have. And they're not going to be in charge of some things that other people have. The Lord is going to reward every man according to his or her works. Everybody say works. Works. Well, God hasn't called everybody to be a Kenneth Copeland. Everybody doesn't have that opportunity to personally speak into the lives that they do or the millions. But I tell you what, everybody can have a part of that. Everybody can have a piece of that. Right? And whatever you invest into spiritually, you open your spirit. I'm not talking about throwing a check at something. I'm talking about you open yourself up and you put part of yourself into it. And and this uh, check uh, or or thing is just a, a material point of contact whereby you release part of yourself into it. When you invest some of yourself, part, part of yourself into that, your spirit is open for part of that to get into you. How about partnership? Part, part. Go with me to the book of uh, Matthew 10, and then we're also going to Luke 8, I believe it is. Matthew 10. Y'all believing with me, right? I'm really doing this by faith. Of course, what's new about that? (laughs) 
Matthew 10. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, this whole chapter deals with this subject. Kind of, especially the latter part, builds up into it. But let's begin in verse 37. Matthew 10, 37. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know, there's a lot of parents put their kids ahead of God. And it's not right. It's very damaging to the children. He that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. What's the the big enemy that he's talking about here? Selfishness. And that is the violation of the New Testament commandment, which is for us to love each other as he has loved us. Well, how did he love us? He loved us so much he gave himself for us. Giving is the chief expression of love. The Lord told me that years ago. When he first told me that, I thought, How can I say that, Lord? They'll think, yeah, you're a preacher. You're about to take up an offering. Giving is the, that's a big thing to say, the chief expression of love. And when I'm trying to think about it, the scripture came to my heart with force. For God so loved the world that he gave. gave. So people just get money-minded and they they miss the big picture. What is the chief expression of of love? Giving. 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 So then you and I, keeping the New Testament command, what's the main way we act on that? Love each other as he has loved us. How do we, what's the main way we act on that? Giving. Give people comfort. Give people help. Give people money. Give people friendship. Give, give, give. Right? Be safe to say that there is no love in action without giving. Can you see why the devil has fought the giving message so hard? He wants to keep us, keep us out of love, keep us out of faith, keep us out of obeying the command. He wants to keep us, keep us out of the big things of God. When he attacks giving, he's attacking all of that. Say it out loud, my father, my father is, the is the greatest giver of all. I'm his child. I'm I'm a giver. giver. Like my father. father. He's always giving. giving. Good things. things. I'm always giving. giving. Good things. See, we're givers by nature. And and I can look back and see in Phyllis's my life, we we were so broke. We we hurt so long financially. We struggled and struggled and struggled. But I, I... I know one of the big breakthroughs that came in our life when we begin to come up and come up. I began, Phyllis, we began to enjoy giving. We begin to live to give. We begin thinking more about that than what we wanted. We begin thinking more about using our faith to, to give than to get something for ourselves. 
and, and just enjoy it. I'm telling you, it's the most fun you ever had in your life. To be able to walk in and say, brother, I, I know this is personal, but do you owe some money on that? Is there a problem on that? Are you behind? Yeah, brother Keith, I'm sorry. Well, rejoice. God sent me to pay it off. Write a check because there's money in the bank. And pay it off and see that weight come off their shoulders. <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. Well, you ain't had fun till you do stuff like that. Come and say, hey, get, get in the car with me. Where are we going? I'll show you. Come on. <laughs> Go with me. Go into a nice place. Fit, fit that man for a suit. Me? Yeah. Get up there on the stand. They'll measure you. Huh? That's, this costs money. Just be quiet. <laughs> All right. Here, now you need this to go with it. You need some of these shoes to go, go with it. Yeah, you need some of this. You need some of that. And people go out of there. I'm telling you. Walking different. Back straighter. Check this out. But you can't do that when it's taking all the faith you got to believe in your electric bill. That's why you got to get beyond that. And it doesn't start with money. It starts with the heart that looks out beyond yourself. It says, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. God, give me seed to sow. Help me to become a part of that. And when you open up your heart to do that, then part of that comes into you. It's reciprocal. It's sowing and reaping. Keep reading. He said, verse 40, He that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet. Now what does that mean? As a prophet, as one called and anointed appointed of God. You know, I, I respect people. I, I had the privilege of working with Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin, who's in heaven now, for 20 years, directly, personally. And I, I enjoyed being with them every bit of that time and endeavored to show them respect, and Phyllis did. And we, had, we, we, we learned when to be quiet and when to get out of the way and to be there when you're needed and not be there when you're not and to show respect. And it was always, yes, sir, it was always right now. Uh, but I had a person ask me though, boy, you must really think a lot of Brother Hagin. I do, I do. But that's not the main reason I did that. Did you hear me? Because I respect God. And God called him. Did you hear me? And chose him and anointed him and appointed him and told me, help him. You know, my whole ministry of 20 years with him, that was what it was based on? Help Brother Hagin. That's what he told me. Help him. So it, I mean, it involved all kind of stuff from preaching in the meetings with him to finding a bar of soap at midnight. <laughs> family size. Was it family size? Yeah. <laughs> Not the other, family size. <laughs> so, so then your respect comes up above human. Your respect is for God. And you treat people that way because of your respect for God. 
And so you're not just making too much of flesh, you're honoring God. Oh, do you see it? Do you see it? I was thinking about these services. You know, I, I, we, we had good turnout. But I know some of our people weren't here. And uh, I, it, I just don't want to see my people miss out on anything. But I know what, what some people think. Some people are not used to being in meetings all day. Some people are not accustomed to some things going that way. They, they're used to a 20-minute sermonette, and if it's not entertaining, they leave, which shows how childish they are. Do you know that you're not supposed to just go to meetings, attend meetings, or stay in meetings depending on how it appeals to you? But you're supposed to be led. And if the Lord leads you to go to a meeting, you're supposed to go. Even if you think you're not having any fun, you're supposed to go there and listen and pay attention. There's been many meetings. While I was there, particularly in the middle of it, thinking, oh, Lord, when will this thing be over, you know? Not this meeting this week. But really, no. But I have been in meetings that weren't like this meeting. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, you know, I'm a busy man. I got stuff to do. And, and the Lord said, I told you to be here. Yes, sir. I wasn't, it wasn't really appealing to me. I wasn't really enjoying it. But see, we got to get beyond this. Everything's about me. If the Lord leads you to go, then you should go. Whether you think you enjoy it or not is not the whole criteria for you going. And I was there. Thinking of one in particular. And I mean one thing. One minister said one thing. That changed my life. And if I hadn't been there. I wouldn't have heard that thing. I've been in other meetings where. It didn't seem like I got so much out of it. And yet ten years later. The Lord brought that back up to me. And the thing that I wasn't so enthused over. He showed me. You're wrong. They're right. Now you've grown enough to see it. I thought. Man I didn't see that. I thought they were wrong. But if it hadn't have been in me, the Lord couldn't have brought it back to my remembrance. There's been other meetings that I was at, and, and it really wasn't for me. It was for me to help them. And I thought, well, Lord, why am I here? He said, to write a big check. <laughs> Lord, it don't seem like I'm getting much out of it. He said, I didn't send you here for you. <laughs> so we got to grow up, don't we? We must grow up, be more service-minded. Instead of what, I, what am I getting out of it? Well, I didn't, I didn't like that too much. So I ain't going back. Well, you're a baby. And a whiny baby. <laughs> Grow up. Biggest thing is obey the Lord. And of course, now ch- I'm talking to church people now. I'm your pastor. I'm your under shepherd. And if I tell you I believe it's important for us to have this meeting. And we invest all kind of time and money into it. And you don't even show up. You're disrespecting me. You're disrespecting the Lord. Did you hear me? You're saying, oh, I don't have any confidence. You didn't hear from God. I got other stuff to do. You really want to say that? That's not good. Right? No. Let's honor the Lord. I said, let's honor the Lord. And let's put first things first. Amen. And when the Lord calls something. How many remember the Lord Jesus teaching uh, about the master calling and saying, I got my feast ready. Everybody come. And what happened? 
Ah, oh, you know, we got this going on, Master. You know, we, I, I just uh, got some cows and I got my business. I got some stuff. I got to go sit. I'm sorry, but I can't come. Other people, well, I just got married and I got family stuff going on and I can't come. And the Lord said, oh, I understand. Y'all just come when you can. What, what, what did it say? Some, some people think I've said some stronger things. I, you had not read the Bible. The Bible said he became wroth, angry. He said, well, I, I shouldn't say that. It, it, it amounts to that, but I'm not going to say it because that's not exactly what he said. But he said, all right, go to other people. Right? I invited them, but they didn't come because they're not worthy. Go ask other people if they want to come. Amen. And he went out into the highways and street people. Yeah. And they said, would you like to come? And they said, well, let me check my calendar. Yep, yeah, I can come. <laughs> they weren't too busy. You know the kind of people that get used of God? The people are not too busy to serve him and show up. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad I showed up. Aren't you? <laughs> Keep reading. He that receives a prophet, how? As a prophet, as one who is called and anointed and appointed of God. Now back up to the the, the previous verse. What did he say? He that receives you, what? Receives me. He that receives me receives him, talking about the Father. That sent him. So then what if you receive a real prophet. Or a real apostle. Or a real evangelist. Or a real pastor. A real minister that is called and anointed of God. If you receive them. As though they are that. Called and appointed and anointed of God. Then you receive God himself. Who did call them and sent them. He takes it personally. Right? That's what he's saying. And if you receive a righteous man. This is not a ministry gift. This is just a righteous man. A believer. In the name of a righteous man, as a child of God, you'll receive the reward that's appropriate for that, the righteous man's reward. Everybody say reward. 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 Are you interested in reward? We should be more reward-minded. I know some people don't like the sound of that, but we should be. We should be more reward-minded. I'm talking about eternal reward. We should be more conscientious that this life is a vapor. It's here, it's gone. And then we're into eternity. And what we do now is setting us up for the future. What we're doing right now is affecting where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, and what reward we have eternally. I'm telling you, if we really saw this like it is, every day we'd be thinking, I got to invest. Where can I invest in the kingdom? I got to do something to affect the kingdom of God. Because you and I are where the action is. The rest of the guys already over in glory, shouting over the banister. And I don't want them, I don't want some of them thinking, Keith, get up, man, get to it. You don't have long. Don't miss that opportunity. Do you know what that means up here if you do that? No. Take it. Take it. Strike while the iron's hot. Get it. Do it. 
your life will be over just like that. Everybody say reward. reward. Everybody say partner. partner. Glory to God. He said, and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say to you, what? He shall in no wise, there's no way he will ever lose that reward. I'm glad I gave Brother Hagin several cups of water. <laughs> Amen. And other things. Myself and two other ministers bought him a uh, SUV one time. Nice one. That, that Lexus, you know, that's white diamond paint. And we put all the gold stuff on him. <laughs> I'd talked to him for a couple of years about getting a new truck. He had an old pickup. He'd drive it around. I said, Dad, you know, you ought to get your new pickup. He said, oh, this one's fine. <laughs> well, that's the end of it, you know. So <laughs> I'd wait another three months and try to work it around. So I said, Dad, you know, boy, they make these new trucks. They're so nice. And he said, oh, mine's just fine. Okay. <laughs> but one day... <laughs> It was the right time and the right place. And I had two of my, two of my brothers there with me. It was uh, Reggie uh, Scarborough and uh, Ronnie Sims, who's going home to be with the Lord. We were all eating lunch with, with Dad. And I, I kind of started up this truck thing again, and they jumped on it. They said, yeah, yeah, Dad, you ought to get you a nice new truck. He said, well, I thought about it. I thought, all right. He thought about it. He thought about it. Well, man, we didn't let him catch a breath. We said, we'll do it. I looked at them. They said, we'll do it. We'll split, the, we'll split this thing. We'll do it. Boy, next thing you know, we had one. We put everything you could put on it, man. I mean, gold, everything. And he enjoyed that. He wouldn't let you call it a truck. I said, boy, Dad, this is a nice truck. He said, it's not a truck. It's an SUV. I said, then that is what it is. It's an SUV. I mean, he'd pull up, you know, and, and of course, you know, at this time, Mom is 80 years old, you know, and he'd come up and, and press the button and the thing would go, and go down. He said, watch this, watch it." He enjoyed that. I'm so glad. I, I had a piece of that. I had a part of that. Every time he got in it and drove down the road, I had a piece of that. Every, every bit of enjoyment that it brought him, every bit of comfort that it brought him, I had a piece of that. Amen. Aren't you glad life's not over? There's still ministries in the earth. There's still good things going on that you can be a part of. Act today. Amen. Move today. Go to Luke 8, please. I'll share this with you, and then we're going to... I'm going to tell you about a way we can act on this. This is not something pre-planned. It's not something set up. Something God dealt with me about last night. Luke 8. Everybody say partnership. Fellowship in the gospel. Part of the eternal. Is this important? Mm. I want you to see something about some partners here. In Luke chapter 8. 
And uh, first verse, Luke 8, 1. It came to pass afterward that he, talking about Jesus, Jesus went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings, the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. He had a traveling ministry, didn't he? Went from place to place. Does that take money to travel? I travel. I assure you, it takes money. Hotel rooms just keep getting more expensive. Fuel keeps getting more expensive. Rental cars, I mean, meals. I mean, it goes on and on. Well, what if you got a whole team going with you? Everything's multiplied by how many the team is. Did it take money for Jesus to operate? You know it did. Do you believe he operated in a first-class fashion? You know he did. In fact, they had enough money, they had to have a treasurer. Right? And you know who the treasurer was, right? Judas. And Judas was a thief. You know, Jesus had some trouble with some of his help, too. So if you've had staff problems, don't just fall off your chair. Jesus had some staff problems too. He had a man stealing from him in his ministry. And you know he was spirit-led. Right? He was led to put the man in there. But uh, Judas is a thief. And he's taking money out of the bag, but I guess they got so much, you don't really miss it. What do you mean? If you got $3 in the bag and somebody takes one, you're going to know it, right? And Judas is dipping into this thing, dipping into this thing, and I guess they got so much that he, he just doesn't know it. Notice it. I didn't say he didn't know it, but it's not noticeable to everybody. And uh, they're given to the poor on a regular basis, and they're doing all these things and these meetings and huge meetings. In fact, on one occasion, he mentioned to them about going and buying food for that whole crowd that was out there, thousands of people. How could they have done that? They must have had some resources. Where'd this money come from? <laughs> You're right. Keep reading, very next verse. Very next verse, what does it say? Certain women. Certain women. Now, you know, this kind of aggravates me. Because <laughs> where's the men? And there were some men. Uh, who, who's the man that gave him his tomb? You know, Joseph? Arimathea? He was rich. He, he got involved in some things. Uh, maybe he could have got in a little earlier. But it's sad, I think, to this day. You'll see a lot more women sometimes being faithful partners than men. That ain't right. Thank God for the women partners. But the men ought to be partners too. Right? I think sometimes men more occupied with what they're doing and not paying attention. But these women, if I say women, women, thank God for the women, which had been healed 
of evil spirits and infirmities. Whose ministry did they get healed in? Jesus. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. Now they're connected with big money. Big money. And Susanna. Now if you you look her up, you'll find she had some connections. And what? What? Not not a few. Many others. Now, and, And you understand, Jesus did not have a worldwide ministry. I know that sounds funny to you. But he was only sent to what? Lost sheep of the house of Israel. He wasn't trying to reach the known world with his specific physical ministry. And even with that scope, which is small compared to worldwide, he had many. Everybody say many. Many, Many, which did what? I like that phrase, don't you? Instead of just mailing a check, what? Ministered, and it does. I tell you what, there's been times that I've been out on the road and felt beat up. And come back in, somebody wrote me ugly letters, and somebody did this and did that. And I came in, and here's a check from somebody, $50,000. That encouraged me. I thought, somebody believes in us. (laughs) Amen. The Lord's dealing with somebody. Somebody believed in us enough to say, yeah, that's God, I'll do that. It ministered to me. It encourages you. And it takes pressure off you too. You think, well, then we got enough to pay this. We've got enough to do that. Everything's fine. Encourage you. Everybody say, ministered to. They ministered to who? They ministered to Jesus with what? They ministered to him of their substance. Money. Stuff. Material things. They ministered to him. Did they have a part in that ministry? Will they have a part eternally? How'd you like to be one of Jesus' personal partners? (laughs) If you are a partner in one of his ministries today, you are. I said you are. The same. You are. Because didn't he say, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. He takes it personally. You can be just as much a partner to Jesus' ministry as these ladies were. I am. How many in here are your partners to a ministry, ministries, several? This is what I have on my heart. If you are not a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, I want to make that available to you today for you to hook up with that. They didn't talk to me about this. They don't even know I'm doing this. But I had it on my heart. And and our church people, I'm specifically talking to you. If you're not a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, I want you to take this opportunity today Pray over this and see about becoming one. Phyllis and I have been for many years. In fact, our ministry started in one of their meetings many years ago. I remember the first offering I ever gave in faith, $5 to Kenneth Copeland Ministries. 
They, you know, some, some people have said, well, you know, they, they, they underwrote this church for you and there was a, a rumor about that. No, no, they didn't. They, they support us. They, they've been givers to us through the years. But this is not about any of that. There's no reciprocity here except for I believe in them. Amen. 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 And everything produces after its own kind. Yeah. I want this church to have a world vision like they do. I want us to be helping many, many other ministries like they do. Amen? And to be unselfish. They have faith for finances. They believe in the hundredfold and in some. Amen? I want us to sow into people who have faith like that. And the anointing of increase. Can you say amen? amen? So if you would like to become a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, would you raise your hand? Ushers, take the aisle. Maybe you've sown to them, but you, you're not a partner. You're not a, I'm talking about sowing something on a regular basis. Whether it's $5 a month, $15 a month, $50 a month, $500 a month, $5,000 a month, whatever you're able to do. But lift up your hand, hold it up real high. If you're not, especially not my church people, but everybody. If you're not currently a partner With Kenneth Copeland Ministries, I would like for you please to take these envelopes and and right now, just begin to write your name, your contact information on it. We're not going to keep any of this. I'm just going to put this together in one lump and send it to them. And again, they didn't ask me to do this. They don't even know that we're doing this. I tell you what though, if you like us, if you like this ministry, you ought to like them. Because, I mean, in decades now, every time we were really putting our faith on the line and doing something, you know who showed up? Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, usually with a big check. And I'm telling you, they've always been there for us. And more importantly, spiritually. And uh, I just, I want to be a part of that. I am a part of that. We have been for years partners. This church is a partner with them. But if you were here and saw the uh, partnership thing, I mean, they've underwritten the entire Reinhardt Bonnke Crusades where a million people got saved. I'm a part of that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a bigger part of that. And they underwrite smaller ministries in remote places that are reaching 300 people and everything in between and all kind of equipment and reaching hundreds of millions on daily teaching on the TV, internet. I want to be a part of that. I am a part of that. I want to be a bigger part of that. Both ways. I'm a part of helping that happen and part of that comes into me. I'm a partaker of that grace. I'm a partaker of that increase. Can you say amen? Amen. If you are a partner, great. If you hadn't stepped up your giving in a while, you might think about increasing. Because they're really reaching out and doubling everything up. If you hadn't been waited on, if if you'd like to become a partner, if you're not a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, raise your hand. And take some of this information and go ahead right now, please, if you would, because we're going we're to receive it and take it back up and right now. And if you want to put an offering in there, put it right now. Uh, but especially, you're saying, I am going to become a partner 
with, with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, I'm going to send $5 a month. I'm going to send 50 a month. I'm going to send 500 a month. I, or, you know, I'm going to send something. I'm going to support this ministry. Hallelujah. I still see the ushers moving. If that's you, raise your hand, please. You say, I'd like to get involved with this. Glory to God. Singers and players, y'all in place? Yeah? Yes, yes. In fact, let's just all get on this. We'll We'll just send them an offering with this. Right? Uh, if you're already a partner and you want to take in an envelope or if you just want to write a check, that'd be fine too. You don't have to take an envelope. Just write a check to Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And everybody get in on this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. I like hanging around people that's got bigger vision than I do. Helps you out. There's been times before I've talked to Brother Kenneth about something, and it was looking big to me. You know, I thought, "Whoa, we got to have X amount, and we got to do this." And he said, "Oh yeah, that's that's not a deal. Yeah, you do that, and then you have your good setup." And I left, and I thought he wasn't even impressed with that. <laughs> well, when when your TV bill is millions a month. A few hundred thousands don't, don't shake you too much, you know. And I like that, because being a part of something that's bigger. Amen. And, and having the vision and thinking big and reaching out. we got a big God. There's a big plan. Now, you want to sow and get in on this, then uh, uh, make your checks to Kenneth Copeland Ministries. We'll give them all of this, the entirety of it. And you're becoming a partner you raise your hand and take one of these envelopes and check and say, I'm, I'm becoming a partner. Put me on your partner list. Put me on your mail list. Let me know what's going on. I'm in, becoming a part of this ministry. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not everything is dancing and shouting. But some things are so wonderful. The impact you cannot see until eternity is so great. Oh, glory to God. Just play something softly, Brother Dave. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Phyllis, you got us a check. Come on up here, please. Now, if you're not a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, you're checking your heart. <laughs> Phyllis said you're missing out if you're not. Well, you're uh, you're hooking up today. Go ahead and fill that envelope out that, that we gave you and put on there, I'm becoming a partner. And if you already know, put down how much you're planning on doing a month. And then if you're already a partner, let's just sow another uh, offering into them this morning. I'm sure they'll figure out something to do with it. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just praise and worship God while we're doing this. Let's begin to give Him glory. Oh, Father, we praise You. We bless Your holy name.
thank you that we can be a part. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody ready to give? All right. Hold it up before the Lord. Particularly your partner envelopes, hold them up too. Everybody said out loud, thank you, Lord. For Kenneth Copeland Ministries. What a blessing. They are to the body of Christ and to the earth. We receive them in the name of prophet, ministry gifts from you. And we honor them as such. We will be a part of this great thing that you're doing with them. We sow into them, into you, and become a part of what you're doing with them, and let a part of that anointing, that grace, that ability, that increase, that prosperity come into me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.